Okay, so as Dave mentioned earlier on, we're talking about persecution. So how do you respond to the trouble you face for being a, for being a Christian? When your workmate loves to be open about just what he did on his weekend, who he slept with, and does whatever he wants to do. When a family member watches you like a hawk, waiting for you to slip up because they know you're a Christian, waiting to call you a hypocrite. Or when your boss continually passes you over for a promotion because he knows that you're a Christian. Or when an acquaintance on Facebook leaves an inflammatory remark because of a belief that you hold and something that you've posted about it. In these troubles, in these persecutions, how do you react? How do you react both publicly to their face and privately? Some of us may wish that God would smite those who trouble us, just like he did in the Old Testament. Or maybe we get angry and we want to pay back trouble for those who trouble us. Or maybe you just want to crawl into a hole and just wish you that you were invisible. To the persecuted Christian, does God provide any comfort in our present situation? The answer is yes. And this is what 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 is about. Uh, in this chapter, Paul provides comfort to us now by the way that we view the future. On the day that Jesus returns, our future is the kingdom of God. We read that in our first passage in Matthew chapter 5, that those who are persecuted, uh, they are to receive the kingdom of God. And it says this, as well in verse 5, and we'll get to that in a second. And for those that trouble us, what is their future? Their future is eternal destruction at the hands of a just God. So we can have comfort now knowing the certain future of God. This is what we're talking about tonight. So let's dive right in. First off, let's look at the future for Christians. And we see that in verse 5. So read that with me right now. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. The future for a Christian is being counted worthy of the kingdom of God. So imagine on the day of judgment when you are facing God and you hear him say to you, a sinner, you are worthy of the kingdom of God. This is amazing news and something that we can rejoice over daily. But how is this possible? How can we who are sinners be called worthy? Well, there are a few things that I jumped over in verse 5 that can help us understand it. So let's look over at verse 5 just at the start again. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. So what judgment is this? And what is right? What is correct? Well, the judgment is God's pronouncement of calling us justified. This means God declares us righteous in his sight. When God looks at us now, he no longer sees us for our sinful selves, clothed with our sinful rags. But instead, God sees us as spotless, free of sin, robed with Jesus' perfect righteousness and perfect life. God's judgment is to declare us 
justified. And God alone has done this. He's done this through, by his grace through the death of Jesus on the cross. So having saved us, justified us, and given us a citizenship in heaven, God calls us to be obedient to him. God desires fruit or deeds to match the new identity he has given us. God desires that we live up to the lofty title he has given us by calling us worthy. This is where the evidence comes in. We see it in verse 5, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And what is this evidence? It's the deeds lived out of their new identity as a result of God's grace towards them. And you see them there in verses 3 and 4. Paul gives three examples, their faith, their love, and their endurance. So let's check them out now. First three, your faith is growing more and more. Faith simply means trust in something, and the Thessalonians' trust was in Jesus. Each day, these Christians were being shaped by their knowledge and their obedience to, to what they were taught, resulting in a faith that was growing daily. Think of the image of a tree. Over time, it grows taller, the branches get stronger, the roots grow deeper, and it bears fruit. In the same way, the Thessalonians' faith was growing more and more. And secondly, so was their love. It's there in verse 3. And the love you have for one another is increasing. Love is an action, and it's directed towards others. In the letter, they are to love the church family. So they are to love one another more and more. So what might this look practically for us? It means considering who in our church family needs help. It means emptying ourselves of our time in prayer, or it could be by our energy encouraging other people or doing things for other people. Think the image of a mother and her child, and I'm looking at mine right now. This is a supreme example of love that gives for the benefit of others. And the third piece of evidence is of their new identity is endurance. And it's there in verse 4. We boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecution and trials you are enduring. Endurance is about continuing on a difficult path. The Thessalonians' path was one of persecution and opposition. In the face of suffering, the suffering for being a disciple of Jesus, the Thessalonians had stood stood. Think the image of a runner. You need endurance to keep going as a runner to finish the race. You need endurance to keep going despite the pains, the cramps, the tiredness, and the temptation to quit. Endurance as a Christian means never giving up on Jesus, in spite of the opposition you may face for this, in this life for being a Christian. So then, now that we have all the elements, let's re-look at verse 5 and see how it fits together. So all this, the deeds of faith, love and endurance, is evidence that God's judgment, God's grace in declaring you righteous, is right. And as a result, you, a sinner, can be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. 
When Jesus returns, God will count you worthy of entering his kingdom, of entering heaven. This is our future as Christians. But we are to work at that reality. God has called us worthy, so we work towards living up to that image, growing in faith, love and endurance. This is the focus of Paul's prayer in verses 11 and 12. Christian, God has called you worthy, so live up to that calling. Knowing this future that we have as Christians gives us great comfort to keep going, especially when persecution can make us feel like giving up on Jesus. The reward is enormous, too grand for us to to comprehend how long eternity will be or how amazing it will be to see Jesus face to face. Check out verse 10. On the day he, which is Jesus, comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed, this includes you because you have believed our testimony to you. On Judgment Day, as Christians, we will be called worthy of the kingdom and we will marvel at God on the throne and Jesus our Saviour. This is definitely a reward to continue enduring in spite of persecution. So that is our future as Christians. But what about those who don't trust in Jesus? This brings us to the more difficult part of the passage, verses 6 to 10. For some of us, we may see God as a God of love and can't possibly see God as an angry God or a God who would uh, kill people or punish people. For others, we might see God finally giving justice as something that sounds really great. But will God's day of judgment really be a great day? Let me read out a few of the words that Paul uses in this section of verses 6 to 10. Payback, trouble, blazing fire, powerful angels, and punish. And if that's not enough, then there's verse 9. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Can you feel the terrifying nature of God's wrath on his enemies? The day of Jesus' return will not be a happy or enjoyable time for some. It will be a day of desolation. The punishment is everlasting destruction and separation from God. Now, some people might say, what would be so bad about being separated from God? The reality is that in this life, they are not actually separated from God, even if they think that they don't want to know him. This is because God is the source of everything good in this world. The rain for crops, the sunshine during summer, or maybe the coolness, also at night, as we are in the moment, the brain for creating all the technology we have, marriage, children, friendships, all designed, created, and sustained by God. Now imagine this world right now without any of these good things. It would be a terrible existence. Now this is only a snapshot of what it will be like for everlasting destruction 
and separation from God. And this will go on forever. So the day of judgment will be terrible for some. So then who is this anger of God directed at? Firstly, it's on troublemakers, those who persecute Christians. And we see this in verse 6. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. God's love for his people is intense. The Old Testament is full of passages where God punishes Israel's enemies, bringing justice for their evil acted out against his people. Today, even though Christians are scattered around the world, even though that we're not one country, God's control and focused and not diminished in the slightest. In verse 6 and 7, God promises justice and relief for his people, which is bad news for their enemies, as God's anger will be directed towards them. God will not leave evil unpunished. He will punish those who trouble his people. Secondly, God's anger is directed at those who don't believe in the gospel of Jesus. And we see this in verse 8. He will punish those who don't know God and don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Paul says punishment will also occur to those who don't believe in Jesus. Because you see, God's plan for saving humanity is found in the gospel of Jesus. So if you don't believe in Jesus alone as the Saviour, or if you willfully ignore or disobey all that Jesus says, this means rejecting the only means of being saved on Judgment Day. Or to put it another way, to reject Jesus means certain punishment on Judgment Day. This is because the judge you will face is Jesus himself. So if you reject Jesus, who then will be your advocate? For those who don't believe in the gospel of Jesus, they will face punishment on the day of judgment, on the day Jesus returns in blazing fire and with powerful angels ready to judge. So at the beginning of the talk, we started by looking at the issue of persecution faced for being a Christian. Is it worth it to keep going? Will God repay those who trouble us? Is there any comfort to our present situation? God's answer is for us to look at the future, to look at the day of Jesus' return. Because on that day, we see the, the, the future for us, and we see that it's going to be different and very different indeed for the Christian and the non-Christian. For the Christian, they will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. For the troublemaker, there will be justice for their actions towards God's children. And for those who have rejected Jesus, uh, eternal punishment and separation from God's goodness awaits. When we know the certain future God has planned for us, as Christians, we can take great comfort in our current situation and persecutions. As God's people, we are to live working towards being more like Jesus and being called worthy of the kingdom of God. So let's go through some of the ways you can do this over the weeks and over the year ahead. One, be amazed by grace. 
Maybe you have lost the love you first had when you became a Christian. Maybe life has been tough recently and you lost the joy that you initially had. If this describes you, then I encourage you to reclaim that joy. And one way you could do that is by reading God's word to find refreshment. Spend the next term reading a gospel of Jesus, being reminded of who Jesus is and the great love he had for us and the way that he loved us even to going to death on the cross. By God's grace, we who are sinners can be saved and free from everlasting destruction. This is not by works. This is the free gift of God. This gospel is truly amazing news of which we should be thankful for every day. Two, be concerned for the lost. Maybe tonight hearing of God's punishment has made you aware of your lack of concern for seeing other people saved. Now is the time for people to trust in Jesus before it's too late. If this describes you, you should start thinking about the reasons why evangelism is so hard and not a priority in your life. And then once you've come up with those reasons, then stop making those excuses. Start praying for people daily and become an inviter, inviting them to come meet Jesus, whether that's here at church or invite them to a men's or women's event. The Bible explains people who don't believe in Jesus as lost, as blind, as people who don't know their right hand from their left. God has placed you in their lives to warn them about the coming judgment. This point is something I've particularly struggled with over the years as a Christian. I understand the theology that people need to be saved, but getting out there and doing it I find really tough. And so over the past few weeks I've been trying, I've read this passage and thought about it and tried to be more intentional about it, up to the point where I met someone for the first time and asked them whether they were a Christian or not. And for me that was pretty big stuff. So if, if I can have a go at it, uh, let me encourage you guys to do so as well. Three, endurance and persecution. Maybe you shy away from confrontation because of, of a fear of being persecuted. The experience of the Thessalonians, of Jesus and Paul, teaches us that preaching the gospel will offend some people. Persecution will come, but as the Thessalonians were doing, they were enduring in persecution, knowing the reward of heaven that they had to look forward to. So if you lack endurance in the face of persecution, maybe talk to a Christian brother or sister and glean encouragement from their example. And I'd also recommend reading the book of Acts and watch how Christians refuse to give up on Jesus in the face of persecution. Four, seek comfort in God's judgment. Maybe you are enduring in persecution, but struggling and finding hard to do so, and thinking about giving it all up. If this describes you, remember the words of comfort we have heard tonight. God promises great comfort now because of the certain future we have to come. By enduring in persecution, God calls us worthy, and God promises that he will bring justice to the troublemakers. 
And whilst this justice may not come immediately or the time we want, we can be rest assured that God will pay back the persecutors. So we can leave the judgment and the retribution of our enemies in God's hands. Five, are you ready for the future? Finally, if you haven't taken the step to trust Jesus, if you haven't accepted the gospel of Jesus, this is something you need to sort out with God ASAP. The day of Jesus' return will be a day of eternal destruction unless you come to believe in Jesus. So don't put it off for a later day. Don't say, oh, I'll think about it later or she'll be right when I get there because the day when Jesus returns is unknown. It could be a thousand years from now, but it could be tomorrow. And on that day Jesus returns, will you be ready? This church is full of people who have accepted the gospel of Jesus and live for him. So if you have any questions, talk to the person next to you, talk to someone who brought you, or even talk to me. We'd love to help you believe in Jesus and receive the free gift of salvation from punishment. So let's pray about these things with hope. Dear Heavenly Father, you have made us and we have rejected you. We are sorry for our sins. We deserve your punishment of eternal destruction and separation from you. But thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins, taking our punishment. Help us to live for you. Teach us to work hard at producing fruit to match the identity you have given us as your children. Thank you for counting us worthy of you. Help us to rejoice in your grace, share the gospel to others, persevere in persecution, and take comfort in knowing that the glorious future you have prepared for us. We cannot wait to meet you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.